up, Flight Crew? This is my new series. I call it Uneducated uh, because I want to say some stuff that isn't necessarily right, isn't really put down in scientific theory, even if it's the soft science is not really founded in that or proven in that. But I just want to spit off the top of my head because I feel like as a society, we're just not allowed to say any dumb stuff anymore on our own platform. So this uneducated series is all about me just theorizing and hypothesizing without any real backing, but just off of the stuff I've been seeing, stuff I've been learning, just putting an idea out there and seeing what you guys think about it. Now, one of the things I have just been so obsessed with is this idea of universal basic income. And if you know my boy Andrew Yang that I've been watching his videos, at first, I didn't know why I love the idea of UBI so much. You see, Andrew Yang is proposing to give $1,000 a month to every American over the age of 18. And when I first heard this idea, to me, it wasn't a new idea because I remember hearing about it 10 years ago when I was a mere young fly Stewie in high school. And I was skeptical then. And when I first heard Andrew Yang's idea, I was skeptical. Well, whatever. I heard it a couple months ago. So, yeah, a couple months ago, I was skeptical. I didn't really see how this was going to do anything other than just boost up inflation and they're just going to get it all back in taxes. But again, Andrew Yang explains he's going to pay it using a VAT tax. He has multiple ways to fund it. But this video is not about really Andrew Yang's plan specifically. It's more just about the concept of UBI. And like I was trying to wrap my head around it. Sorry, that was my little laundry alarm. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you got to be, you know what I'm saying? A clean mother. You know what I'm saying? Got to be clean and wash your laundry and wash your drops. But anyways, I just loved the idea of UBI, but I didn't necessarily know why. And recently I've just been thinking about it and I think I can put it into words. Uh, that's why I call, I'm calling this uneducated episode because I think we need to just theorize more and share ideas even if they're not necessarily right or even if they're majorly wrong so to me i think the reason why i love the idea of ubi is because of this let me try i feel that the economy in the in the whole economy especially when considering the america american economy that it is not being run as efficiently as it can and it's not optimizing for economic growth. There's inefficiencies, right? And the way that I see to get over these inefficiencies is we are not allocate, we need to allocate our resources better. You know, economics is basically the study of scarce resources. How do we allocate these resources the best way? Supply and demand, if you will. And as an investor, you know, I've follow somewhat of the Ray Dalio school of thought where you need to base your portfolio on allocation and the best way to, you know, invest into a different market segment, whether that be gold or bonds or stocks. The best way to do that is to understand fully where your money needs to go to increase economic growth or to increase your investments. Now, all of that sounds confusing. Basically, what I'm saying is this. Whenever you buy something, there's an opportunity cost to it. If you buy $10,000 Dodge Camaro, you could have easily spent that money on a college degree 
or a down payment for a house, something that could pay you back in the long run. And what's happening in our economy is that there are these very devious and sneaky ways that the rich, the upper echelon of people, um, you know, the top 10 to 1%, but mostly just the 1% realistically, there's ways that they are stealing the economic uh, the economic value or I guess stealing the economic wages or the purchasing power of the average worker of the middle class. So my CEO his my CEO series in season four is all about understanding why CEOs make so much more about more than the average worker. And what I'm seeing is that, you know, as you guys know, from the 70s and 80s, workers have not been getting their pay to match how much they should. Workers have gotten way more productivity. Remember in the 70s, 80s, there was no computers. So now that we're in the computer age, workers have gotten so much more productive, but their pay has only gone up 11%. And CEOs pays have gone up 400, actually I think it's a 900% or some crazy stat in the past 30, 40 years. Now, why is this? The reason this is happening is because what the high elite has figured out is that if they leave all their money in their business, then they never have to be taxed. Whereas a worker who works a salary is always being taxed. There's no business write-offs or tax write-offs for a salary worker when it comes to their expenses. Where if you're a business owner or you're a CEO, literally everything you can do is tax deductible. There's a reason why Amazon in 2019 paid 0% in federal taxes. That's crazy. That doesn't even make any sense. Sorry, I think it was 2018. But they probably do the same thing in 2019, to be honest. 0% in federal taxes. This, even though corporate taxes are supposed to be 35%, well, now 20% after Trump's tax cuts, Amazon still paid 0%. Now, what's happening in the economy as well as this, as these big companies hoarding all the cash for the CEOs, where the CEOs are basically just spending the company's money instead of their own, and they have stocks in the company. So as it appreciates, their assets become larger and they in turn make more money. What I also see happening is that there is no way the economy has broken down in getting the economic productivity of the economy to be reallocated back to the middle class worker, right? So normally the middle class worker, they would make a bunch of money from their labor, from their jobs. So think about it. Back in the day, you could be at a steel mill. You could be in any manufacturing plant. You could have a nice little cushiony union job and only a high school degree. And from your hard labor working in that plant, you would get the equivalent of like eighty dollars to $120,000 for working a job that doesn't even require a high school degree. And every year, your money would go up and you would retire with the nicest of pensions at the end of the day. This goes for jobs like coal mining, even some transportation jobs such as truck driving. 
the low, the low, what do you call it? Low skill, I guess. The low skill jobs were enhanced a great way to make a living in the economy and your labor and your productivity, the more productive you became as a person, the more your income rose or the more productive your company became, the more your income rose. Your income was very tied to the amount of productivity that you have. However, what companies have been able to do is every time there is a recession, and there's a new influx of different jobs being created, they're finding very sneaky ways to make sure that you don't get the economic wages that you really deserve. By economic wages, I just mean your purchasing power of your dollar doesn't match the actual productivity that you're bringing to the business. So how can we get back to a level of People actually getting paid what they deserve. We live in a society where in America's teachers are making like 40 grand a year. And this is one of the most important jobs in the economy. To put that in perspective, in Ontario, the province that I live in, Canada, teachers are getting paid 90 grand around after working a couple of years. How did this big gap happen? The reason why I like the Andrew Yang specific proposal of universal basic income of giving a thousand dollars a month to literally everybody in the economy is because he pays his universal basic income by using a consumption tax. In America, they don't have a federal sales tax. So Canada has a federal sales tax. Uh, we have, um, I think it's called, oh, let's try this. Mm, I want to say GST, but recently it got mixed into what's called HST. So we have like a harmonized sales tax, which just mixes them both in together. And what Andrew Yang is proposing is a value add tax, which is similar to a sales tax. Sales tax just meaning like anytime you buy something, you pay tax on it. So if you buy a chocolate bar, you pay tax on it. And what the value add tax is, is that anytime there's a business to business transaction, like therefore, you know, if you're a car plant and you're buying steel from another business, there's going to be a tax on that. So the company is collecting all these taxes from their business to business transactions. And then when they finally do business to consumer, when they're selling that car to somebody, that somebody ends up paying the taxes. They increase that car by 10% because the 10% is what they're charging for what they're being taxed at. So yes, a consumer in theory could get, you know, have to pay the brunt of it. However, I love the idea of the company never being able to miss that taxes throughout their business. Instead of Amazon just you know, saying that they made no profit and therefore not getting taxed, they're getting taxed all the way through. And therefore, when the customer is finally paying for it, they are paying like a 10% premium on that. The great thing about Andrew Yang's proposal is he's exempting all of the items, like most of the items that are necessities. So think about diapers, think about groceries, think about things like that nature that are necessities, people. He's exempting all of that from this value added tax. And because he's giving people $1,000 a month, 
basically you would need to spend a hundred thousand wait wait did i do that math right hey okay, okay, let's, let's do it again we will have to spend ten thousand dollars a month 10% of that would be the $1,000 that you're getting back. So you'd have to spend $10,000 a month for it to equal the amount of money you're getting paid from the UBI. Now, of course, basically to do that, you have to have a high income tax bracket. So, of course, all those people who are making a bunch of money, People such as, you know, the millionaires and the billionaires who are spending millions a month on expenses, whether that's private jets, whether that's fancy hotels, those people are going to get taxed out the wazoo. It's going to generate millions of dollars per year, and that all is getting paid for UBI. So that's the great cool thing about how it disproportionately affects the richer and how it helps the poor more. But why do I like it even more? I think what's happening in this economy is there's like a stagnancy. Like there's just so much friction. For instance, if you're in a position where you want to maybe move to a different city or you want to not work for a while to study something, you basically have to go from like 50K income a year to zero. And that has... There, there's so much friction in the job market because what ends up happening is people will settle for jobs because they need the money. However, what could happen in an economy where people are a bit less tied from not working just for the money is people could go and slowly start to you know, drift towards their actual passions or their actual degrees and apply the skills that they've been learning over the long term. So if you're making 12 grand a year from UBI, right, maybe, you know, you back out of UBI, you've saved like a little bit of money, 10 grand, 20 grand or whatever. And then with that money, you can start your own business. You can go live, live in a different city, you know, you could go travel and spend time with your family. You know, you could even start a YouTube channel, start doing the stuff you want to do. It just gives you more flexibility because for right now, there's so much pressure to meet your bills. Like, what is it? 78% of people are working paycheck to paycheck, which is crazy. That it just seems that if people had a bit more free time and that time to think, they could actually spend their time doing something productive that they're passionate about, which means they would put more effort, more creativity, be able to grow it bigger. And that way, I think we'd have a greater impact on the economy. The last thing I want to say about this, about the inefficiency of the economy that I'm seeing, <clears throat> is that I used to go by the idea, and I think this is just a textbook idea that, you know, everybody kind of believes and i believe it to some extent but i used to have the idea that you know businesses are in the business of making money they want to maximize profit apple is just trying to get rich jeff bezos is trying to just spend some benjamins maybe he likes the strip clubs maybe he just wants to throw some dollar bills at a nice bouncing booty but the more i thought about it Companies do things not so much to maximize profit, but really just to have a good quarterly earnings 
report. That's really what it is. They're working towards the next four months and the next four months, and they're just trying to beat analyst estimates. And I think this is more of a short-term way of thinking that I think is affecting the actual capabilities of what these businesses could be doing. For example, companies pollute. There's firms that cook their books. You know, a lot of those things are things that work against the firm in the long run. But in the short term, people will get paid. Bonuses will happen. And even though it's destroying their economy, maybe the maybe the actual company itself is growing. So in the long term, it's honest, you know, not sustainable. But in the short term, it's a great way to make money. You know, sometimes companies won't even hire the best talent available just because people want to protect their jobs. They want to protect their bureaucracy. They want to protect their positions. And in this mindset of scarcity, I think there's better ways that we could go about when boosting the growth of the economy. One of the biggest things that I'm seeing that's happening in the economy right now is that all of the wealth is at the 1%. And what's happening is there's so much capital investments at the top. There is so much money within these venture capitalist firms. And they just have nowhere to put that money. They have nowhere to invest in. One of the best examples I have is looking at the, uh, what's that company called? Fire Festival, you know that one. They're at the beach with the hotties, with the IG models, just chilling out. It crashes, end up being a disaster, and investors lose like millions and hundreds of millions of dollars invested into this thing. Me seeing that, I'm like, why is these venture capital firms giving this dude so much money? We work. A revolutionary company valued at $48 billion. That's crazy investments from the big China investor. I forgot the name of the company that invested in them, but they got like billions of dollars in investments. Turns out just to be a fancy real estate company. Literally goes from a valuation of $48 billion to like $10 billion or some crazy thing on the verge of becoming bankrupt? Why are these venture capital firms giving them so much money? And it's simple. It's all because they have too much and there's nowhere to invest their money. And the way that we'd actually increase economic growth in our economy and make our economy grow bigger year to year is if we just increase the consumption of the middle class. If the middle class had higher wages, if they had more moolah, if they had more checks to write and bought more stuff, the economy would grow more. Think about it. If you're if you have a business, you're selling pizzas. No, no, no. Let's let's have some flyer. If you sell a Rolex watches, you the best Rolex watch maker in the land. You sell the most greatest custom bling bling. And all of a sudden you're living in a city and everyone in that city gets a thousand dollars a month more 
maybe your custom bling shop, because everyone has more money, would get more funds. All of a sudden, you have more money, and then you go buy more pizzas. All of a sudden, the pizza shop has more money. They can start investing in different flavors and hiring more staff. All of a sudden, the pizza shop owner, he's like, oh, now I can finally put that down payment on my house. That's how the economy grows. However, normally, big projects like malls or development condos, these people need huge capital investors. However, if those condos have no one to live there or if that mall has no one to shop there, then of course, the capital investments won't even matter because there's not a demand for that product. The overall dilemma I'm seeing in the economy is that there's too much capital and there's not enough customer spending or consumption. If we can fix that with just giving a UBI, finding a way to get that money from the top 1% or the top capital, these big businesses, these Amazons, these Netflix, find ways to extract money from there and put it back in the citizens' hands, the economic growth we could have could be ridiculous. And as always, the best, most brightest investors are the uneducated ones. That's because the uneducated investor, they never stop learning. Thanks for listening to my first episode of Uneducated. This is just me rambling about stuff that may not be right, but could be. If you like it, leave a five-star review on iTunes. Honestly, after you're done listening, just stop the podcast. Go to iTunes, leave a five-star review. I'm telling you, it really helps the podcast a lot, and it helps us grow and That, my friends, is the end of episode. We, Flight Crew, we have to take off.